0: the small queendom podcast episode 64 you're listening to the small queendom podcast with me leah graham wellness advocate self-healer entrepreneur and enneagram three tune in each week for holistic personal development and wellness the enneagram and other lifestyle topics basically i like to talk to people try things and share here to help you rule your queendom with ease If you like the show, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share it with a friend. I know I've said it before and I'll say it again. And perhaps I mean it the most this time. I'm so excited about this episode because you are finally going to meet my one and only, my true love, Adam Graham. My husband is on the show today. We've been thinking and throwing around the ideas for him coming on the show and us having a conversation, and we thought it would be great to talk about our marriage and parenting and just our life through the lens of the Enneagram. We love Enneagram podcasts and we've never heard one where a couple that's a three and a five um, get on and kind of jam out on all those topics. So let's get into this. So if you know someone who is an Enneagram three or an Enneagram five and they are wanting to kind of integrate the Enneagram into their marriage, into their relationship with their partner, uh, go ahead and share this episode with them. I hope it will be helpful. So as I was editing this, I realized I didn't have Adam kind of give any kind of introduction about himself. So I'm going to do that. Adam is a very multifaceted person as you listen. uh, But by day, he is an app developer and he's an IT contractor and he's been in the IT world for 10 years. He's really brilliant at it. But he is so much more than that. He is a lifelong learner. He is a singer-songwriter. But uh, the past, I guess, year and a half or so, his passion project has truly been his blog and his YouTube channel entitled No King But Christ. He is also very active uh, on his Facebook page, No King But Christ, and also on his Instagram And what he discusses over there is uh, modern Christianity from a libertarian perspective. So it's all about uh, foreign policy, political philosophy, war and peace, apologetics from, you know, that libertarian, dare I say, anarchist um, perspective. I'm so proud of him. He is a wonderful writer and he is an intellectual guy and his essays and writings have been featured on the Libertarian Institute's website as well as antiwar.com. So very proud of him and um, just him moving the conversation forward on the things that he's very passionate about. So I can't wait for you to get to know Adam um, and spoiler alert. Probably very soon there will be another episode where he's going to join me and we're going to talk about something completely unrelated to the AnyRam. So that will be fun. All right, let's get to this show.
1: been wanting to have you on the podcast to have you in the show (laughs) (laughs) you've been
0: wanting to have me be on my show
1: yeah
0: (laughs) oh wait are you interviewing me
1: yeah well that's what i'm trying to do
0: how how sneaky of you (laughs) how five-ish welcome
1: to the small queendom podcast
0: okay you all listen before we get into the show i just want to let you know that adam has written all of these questions pretty much so we're going to have a talk about the enneagram being a three being a five I've been wanting to have Adam on the show, but I've needed a little bit more of an agenda to bring him on. Because if you learn about the five, you learn they don't always like talking about themselves. So this is kind of like a work away, work around that.
1: No, we welcome, to talk about hun. myself. <laughs>
0: welcome, hon.
1: Hello, welcome, Leah, to the Small Queen and Podcast, <laughs> slightly hijacked by the Small King. Yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah, what would that be called? This this small kingdom. That's like, I, was gonna make it the,
1: um, I was gonna find uh, like tiny kingdom, or like uh, humble kingdom. Oh, I like humble. King. That's actually taken. I think it's like an iOS game. It's like an iPhone game. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Neat. You don't see it, but I have moved Leah's favorite pink chair over here, and it. We joke it's kind of like a big throne, so I wanted to make sure she was sitting on her throne for the <laughs> for the episode when <laughs> our, our our living room.
0: I'll have to throw this pick up on uh, Instagram or something. Okay, so we're going to talk about the Enneagram. We're going to talk about how we found it, how we relate to each other with it. And I also polled my Instagram people out there about maybe what they would want to know if an Enneagram 3 and 5 got together and talked about it. And so I have a couple questions. Uh, But I, one, I haven't really found a lot of resources on couples who are three and fives yet when i'm on the interwebs and i see threads of you know me and my spouse found out about our enneagram numbers what are you and your partners yeah people putting out questions like threes and fives are actually a thing a lot Mm -hmm. of people are
1: you know a couple more than you figure you should
0: Uh, yes i see that more often than not i see someone saying I'm a three with a five then like, a three with another number. It's mm-hmm. kind of cool. So, anyway, take it away, hon.
1: Yeah, I went ahead and put that, you know, so I'll be like this. I'll get a little bit of inspiration, so I'll just kind of run with it. So, I figured the first thing we need to broach is a super important question, completely fundamental to the system. How are we going to pronounce the word? Because we always pronounce it differently. And I'm always saying in, in neogram, and you're always saying... Enneagram. Enneagram. So are we to I think it's tomato to tomato.
0: Say... I think most people say enneagram, but I've heard it all the ways. I love you however you say it.
1: <laughs> well, no, I hope so. But <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> potato right. potato. Um, I had a little bit of uh so we've definitely been following the enneagram. <laughs> there you go. Uh for years now, but I thought it was kind of interesting to know how you Discover it because everyone has everything different. So the way I laid them out here, um, I was trying to trace back kind of our history with how we, how we got um, into it, and it wasn't very early on in our marriage. I'd say we probably get you know discussing how it could have helped us earlier in oh, our marriage, yes. but um, but from my recollection, it kind of, Well, who is the lady that um, that told us about the shapes, the shape system in in the doterra okay, convention? So
0: we were at a doterra convention. In 2000, let's see, Norday was uh, just born; she's six months, so that would have been 2013. So six years ago, we learned about personality shapes.
1: Mm-hmm. So that was kind of our uh, kind of our uh, early on, where I was a square and you were a, a squealy triangle, and um, I'm sure we can look it up. <laughs> um, and then Doterra actually pushed us through Gallup strengths, which which we had gone through a little bit before convention before um, kind of on our own and that was very helpful and then we quickly got into the Enneagram but I'll tell you the, the Enneagram is is definitely the one that kind of stuck with us um, a ton
0: also i want to mention that we have we so obviously we like this personality stuff i mean we're millennials we grew up taking those quizzes <laughs> yeah. on aol right like what kind of fruit would you be <laughs> or yeah, now it's buzzfeed but before mm-hmm. it was like aol what you know what coffee drink would you be what kind of takeout would you be if you were you know all those silly things so we like the personality but we're also very familiar with like love languages too so sure but this one definitely stuck
1: yeah And um, so now that we've had a while to think about it, um, I don't know how much you have discussed our history of getting to know each other. And sometimes that's interesting. Sometimes it's a little boring. So what I thought is that we would put a twist on it that let's talk about how we met, like why we were attracted to each other, but in light of the Enneagram, (laughs) knowing about kind of what we know about ourselves now. And if you need help, I can go first because I've already thought about it a little (laughs) bit.
0: Okay. All right. I'm just going to go ahead and say, spoiler alert, if you are in great relationship with a five to have the most enriching experience with them, you just have to give them a little heads up. So actually Adam has come up with all these questions on his own. And this, I know is going to be an awesome conversation because he's had time to think about it. And so go for it, hun.
1: Okay. So let me think back. So again, I'm a five. So I think we wanted to kind of go into a little bit of what that what that means. So as a five, I would say, I don't know if it's universal for all fives, but definitely for me, I like a bit of mystery. So when I was, I, I would find that when I uh, was dating, and this is definitely not a woman-man thing, um, like as far as uh, uh, personalities or anything like that. There's a quite a broad spread. But I would find that anytime I wanted to, I was interested in a woman if either they weren't very forthcoming uh with like who they were or what they're interested in or if they were um if they couldn't hold a conversation well, you know. If it didn't seem like there was much to them, like maybe they weren't very intellectual, they weren't really operating on that level. That's definitely something that's popped out in Gallup strengths, right? And it matches with the enneagram for a 5 that were interested in depth, you know, complexity um and I love to learn. That's an, a, a top strength of the Gallup strengths as well. So when I want to learn something, any any subject I'm getting into, I always will like to know that there's a lot there. So I'm not going to run out real quick. You know, it's not a shallow. I'm not looking for shallow things. Um, or shallow people, again, not a woman-man thing, as tons of shallow men too, and they're not very interesting, but if I didn't get the sense that they, that I would be interested in getting to know them, or that there wasn't a lot there to them, complexity-wise, you know, I would very much shy away, so definitely for you, I felt that uh, when I got to know you, you know, you withheld a little bit, so you were a little bit mysterious. <laughs> Obviously, you were into jazz at the time, which is a very, you know, yeah, like... That's
0: definitely my my jazz era.
1: Yeah, it's a very esoteric thing. You know, it's very, uh, you know, you don't meet that a lot, so you're very unique, and um, so... I'm
0: pretty positive I introduced you to Ella Fitzgerald.
1: Yeah, it definitely wasn't a household name for me before, yeah. And I had dabbled in, you know, into those things. But, Y'all, for a um,
0: birthday present, I bought... The classic Miles Davis album for him.
1: You did. And then we took a drive in an ice storm at the time, around the the winter time, And uh, I believe that was when we got lost.
0: We did. And we ended up going over a mountain.
1: (laughs) Yes, we went over (laughs) a really tough mountain in the snow in a rear-wheel drive car. We digress. Found ourselves across the mountain. Anyway.
0: Basically, the waters run deep. Between both of us.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the idea. So I found, you know, that was definitely what attracted you to me before. Now, of course, we um, we kind of know that there was quite a lot that I didn't actually know about you. Probably more than I bargained for uh, that you've actually talked about on the show a whole lot. Um, but um, I had noted here, you know, I've over the years being married to you, I've definitely found... You know certain parts of you that I needed to find, but I know there's always more there too. You're always surprising me with those things. So that was definitely what, um, what, uh, what enamored me, uh, you to me earlier on. Uh, and again, you know, we met uh, when we were still you were still wrapping up in college, and then, um, you Aww. know, we were in that kind of post college phase, and
0: that's sweet.
1: Yeah, it didn't, it didn't. You really liked me because I was
0: out. mysterious.
1: Well, that was definitely a draw. Yeah.
0: Yes, I yes I I tend to surprise you. You never know what's going to come up next. <laughs> All right, if I was going to a- answer
1: how we met, why you were attracted to me, in light of your enneagram number, your enneagram number, which of course we did not know at the time.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, I probably I could I could easily take your answer because I thought that you were mysterious, and I could easily say that, I mean, we would talk on the phone for hours, mm-hmm. you know, and I, of course I am a talker, shocker. But we would talk about really interesting things. But I think the thing that I liked about you knowing the Enneagram is that when a five is in moments of health, which of course we know, we all know that we can be in health and in stress a hundred times in one day. But when a five is in health and in strength, you're moving to an eight. And the eight is the strongest, the most like assertive, just you know, the most confident, the yeah. confident type of the whole Enneagram. And so, I, and I feel like I met you kind of in your element. You were doing music. You were really yeah. involved in our kind of friend community.
1: In team group y- settings, I, I would tend to gravitate toward that if I'm capable
0: You were doing really well in your new career, you know, in IT. So there was just like a lot of things like that. Your eightness, your eightness was really coming out, but I didn't really want that. You know, I kind of joke that there's a lot of musicians who are eights, but they come off as really strong and not
1: always healthy, really
0: cocky and, (laughs) you know, drink a lot. And I had just come out of music school, so I didn't want that. But I like that there was like this quietness about you. But that there was also, it, it didn't feel like I had to pull you up the hill, mm. per se.
1: You knew it was still waters and they ran deep. Yes. That's yes. Right. That's, that, that's <laughs> a, The still waters <laughs> ran deep.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. I also wonder, um, you know, there was a, I always remember times when you like needed me in a pinch or you needed me to help out. Yes. And I would always do it. And yes. I always support you. Now, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later because I think that really does speak to the five. Totally. Uh, um you know aspects but there were many times well, when you said you for knew, me to
0: only say one thing hon. that's true no no no
1: <laughs> that's right no i'm trying but again i've had more time to think about this and you haven't so i wanted to make sure but you know there's like a loyalty aspect there and then there's like a, a dependability aspect and i feel like for threes at least for you and this is not always universal you know but um uh you know there is a little bit of a you know, if you show up for me, I'll show up there for you. You go to the six and, um, now I can't always remember these. I don't know if you're in health or in stress. But in it, health, I go to a six. Regardless, yes, you're going I'm, to, well, you're moving to six. I'm
0: moving the whole group up when yeah. I move to six.
1: And so uh, there's definitely an aspect of you that appreciates loyalty and dependability. Oh, yes. Um, knowing that you can go to someone, you know, when you need them and they're not going to, you know, let you down. So,
0: Yes. One thing about a three, I don't know if this is, I don't want to just make generalizations, but as me, and I think this is something about my three, I forgive, but I don't forget. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: You cut me once, I'm not going to, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget it. And as a three, you know, my friend Cassandra and I, I don't know if she listens to the podcast or not, she does. Hey girl. Uh, We used to always have this saying when we were walking anywhere, she was a math major, and if we were walking on a sidewalk, and you know there was like a right turn or whatever on the sidewalk, we would always say take the hypotenuse. So we would take like that diagonal. Oh gosh,
1: I heard that a couple <laughs> so times. So we would when take I the little the
0: diagonal through the grass, you know. And so for me as a three, I don't mind taking that hypotenuse. Math if, geeks. <laughs> it doesn't ma- It doesn't matter if I have to walk through some grass. That hypotenuse is going to get me there
1: faster. Yeah. Well it's a very strategic thing, right? And mm-hmm. so um that's definitely another aspect of the of the three that comes out, um, very pragmatic. Um so uh again we came across the the Enneagram before and we'll go into a little bit more of like the actual type, you know, breakdown, because um, that's helpful to, you know, know for the audience and explanatory for us. So again, the five base type, you know, they typically call the learner because they're very um very infatuated with you know learning and knowing and comprehending and being capable. Um, very
0: observing, indep- investigating. Very
1: observant. Very independent. Often too, um, and we go to seven or eight depending on you know if we're in stress or um, security is how it's typically how it's typically said. Now sometimes we think about. If we're in stress, we go to just the worst thing about that number, and a lot of times that's true, but um, definitely not all the time. So if I'm going to stress, I'm going to a 7 in this case, and you can choose in the Enneagram Wisdom whether or not you're going, you know, with practice and with discipline and and everything. You can choose to go to the high side, they'll say, or the low side of 7. So the high side of 7 will mean that in stress or in stressful situations, or if that's where my kind of mind is at, then I will uh, be able to see the positive side of things. I will be more spontaneous. I will be able to reframe, you know, a situation and turn it uh, into positive, which is definitely valuable in marriage.
0: <laughs> Very valuable. Sometimes, though, it drives me crazy other times.
1: Sure, you have, to be, uh, you have to be wary of that. But typically, if you want someone who's going to, like, pep you up, and make you think, okay, you know, things are okay in the world. You either find a five who's, you know, confident with you and can kind of sit with you in it and try to encourage you, um, or find a seven, you know, a root seven, and you probably know them in your life. They're there to pick you up and and get you going again. In the low side of seven, though, it usually means that um, I get a little uh, defensive And usually that I want to deflect the blame onto something else. (laughs) And we find our daughter does this too. (laughs) Um, A seven will be wanting to get past it. You know, let's, let's not worry about my failure and let's just move on, (laughs) Um, which can be very, um, which can be very, uh, sad. You know, I, I remember a time, um, when, and I'm still probably not great at it, uh, even as a five or a seven, none of them are going to want to be like uh, wrong or like have made a mistake or ma- or hurt someone. But it's also very hard for us to say, I'm sorry. So I know there's a lot of times when it well, I probably you're in the both past. In
0: a five and a seven is both in the headspace. They are, yeah. So that is hard for you to say those it's words. hard to feel it and it's hard to communicate You're not it feeling it.
1: And I recall at times that you would you know, that I would not say I'm sorry to you when I'm when I was in those situations where I really should have. Sometimes I had to be very, um, very uh intentional so about it. So the
0: conversation that. would go I'm always saying I'm sorry and you never say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was raised like you say, I'm sorry, right? Yeah. You know, and obviously you want to you want to truly mean it and maybe he hadn't meant it yet and I'm saying, like why do you never say I'm sorry?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it can give you a very false impression that you're uh that you don't do anything that's wrong. <laughs> but anyway, so at a at a positive uh sense in security then, like Leah mentioned we go to uh, an eight um, so if you're going to the high side of eight you can be more much more decisive uh, move toward a situation you know um, you usually be more interested in um, defending uh, you know the weak or the innocent or um, be the more in, more yeah more um, uh, interested in justice issues and then if you go to the low side of an eight you'll be more aggressive and a little bit more you know uh, Wordy, mouthy, or <laughs> like—I
0: uh, like to describe the eights as like they always show up with guns blazing. You know that's a saying we have down here in the south: guns blazing.
1: Yeah, you can. Um, luckily, I feel like I know of times when I go to an eight, <laughs> a, l- a low side of eight. Um, usually, not times that I'm I'm happy with, uh, which I shouldn't be. But it doesn't happen too terribly often. Um, but that that helps a little bit. Uh, now, now you can definitely talk about th- uh, you know your aspects of three and where you move to, um, but I I wanted to potentially touch on how it's difficult for you has been a little bit difficult for you even in systems like the Gallup strengths or um, or some of the other systems we've been in to figure out uh, like or like with your shape to figure out exactly what type you are uh, and why that might be because it's not. Uh, it feels a little bit less clear cut for you, I think.
0: Sure. I, wa- I think you um, didn't mention one thing that I know I'm going to bring up. Mm-hmm. In Besides that you're in the headspace and you're in the thinking, um, you're in the withdrawn stance. So the four yeah. fives and the nines are in, they are doing repressed. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, the five is the most doing repressed.
1: But yes, yeah, so a five will be very withdrawn um, which means yes, they'd be so. Uh, since you're in the head triad and the withdrawn stance, then we are thinking dominant and doing repressed, basically. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you
0: so much for explaining. So that. you,
1: so no matter what, now we, you know, you probably talked about that you were a three-wing four in the past. Now that roots you firmly in the in the heart triad, which is a two-three-four. But also splits you across the stances. Yes.
0: so so, th- so my type is kind of special as you do. <laughs> Go ahead, keep tell- talking about that. Yeah, so that. your
1: threes, sevens, and eights would be an aggressive stance. Um, but you're also, if you have a three and a you know with a four wing, then you're basically in the same triad. But you're in uh, different stances, and so you can be pretty conflicted there. But the other important note is that the the stars, the points, the three, six, nine, basically, um, in the in, in the enneagram, actually sit in the repressed centers they call them of each triad. So you are based in three which is feeling dominant because you're in the heart triad, so you feel with your heart, but you're also feeling repressed. <laughs> <which> Honestly,
0: <laughs> that describes me so much. Yeah. I I feel so much with my heart, but then I don't know what to do with all the emotions. Or you don't
1: process it using no, I, your heart.
0: I do not. I feel, so, I feel so much, but I don't process it with my feelings.
1: Mm-hmm. And then if you are a six or if you move to six, the sixes are in the head triad so they're thinking dominant but they're also thinking repressed so a lot of their thinking would be unproductive basically and then as a nine you would be in the gut triad or the kind of doing triad so you would be doing dominant but you're also doing repressed so you're you have different dysfunctions around you know doing
0: so it basically means that no matter that, where you move no matter i move i'm something repressed but the great thing about the three is, and I'll just describe it really quick. So it's the achiever. Anyone that has listened to the show, they're familiar with the threes because I've had three guests on. But um, I'm achiever. I'm an achiever, and that means that basically I do things. I I kind of describe it as I have a an addiction to like getting things done or receiving praise. Very I'm, goal oriented. I'm very goal oriented. It's kind of like a hit. When I get something done or I accomplish something or I I check that list, it almost like it almost numbs the shame that I feel about myself, the feeling of like being um, exposed that it's the idea that I'm, I'm not deceiving other people of who I am. I'm actually deceiving myself like I'm always looking at myself through someone else's eyes What are they going to think? And I know that sounds really weird for anyone that's not a three, but that is how a three feels. That they really are truly not worthy of love as they are, but only if they are meeting other people's standard. But the true person that they need to please is themselves. They need to actually find, you know, that title of the book, the road back to them. Something that I think is great about threes is we really are the visionaries. We're the strategists. We're always very forward thinking. We're always thinking forward and we are usually you know the people that are rallying and and really you know keeping our eye on the prize you know some people say we're like the ceos we're like that quintessential ceo now obviously any of the types can be a ceo not just a three but we kind of fulfill that need but i will say that and adam didn't touch on this if you're new to the enneagram remember this is just a tool You know, it's not like a horoscope or whatever. It's just a tool and it's not like the gospel. But with each type, you can have even like counter types, like subtypes. So I'm called a self-preservation three. And so instead of having like the fancy car and the nice watch and the perfect bag and like the pedicure and the lash extensions, like it's more important for me to have like resources that you don't see for me to feel like all my boxes are checked. And another thing I wanted to say is I'm not so worried about I am and usually threes are very competitive and I'm very competitive. But it's not about if you think about like winning a race and like crossing the finish line first. That's not how I feel about the competition and about like success. Imagine if you're uh, at an old circus and there's like the hammer that you hit and and the little the little ball goes up and hits the the ringer and it goes ding. Can you imagine what I'm saying here? That is where success is. If I can hit the hammer and the little ball goes up and
1: goes mm. ding,
0: rather yeah. than like crossing a finish line.
1: It's also not always uh, self-centered 100% of the time, is it? I, I think I've heard um, cases where uh, Enneagram teachers will talk about a three um, that. When they're doing it for themselves or helping to encourage other people, because uh, some other systems will categorize you as an encourager, uh, as a very encouraging person, a yes. very equipping person. A
0: lot of times we're like coaches and, mm-hmm. you know, we're leading teams and we are the people like really boosting everyone yeah. up.
1: Um, when if you know a three or maybe suspect uh, you have a three, you know, parent or friend or coworker or that sort of thing, and they push you to achieve or make goals or that sort of thing, a lot of times that can feel... Uh, discouraging, or that they're maybe judging you or something, but really, that's actually them telling, like, helping you, loving you, basically. <laughs> yes, is how they love you. <laughs> is to is that they want it for you. Um, yes. Now that could be unhealthy, maybe if they're trying to live vicariously or something. But typically, if you have a three, esp- you know, and especially if they're more self-aware than other threes, you know, they're really doing it out of uh, love, less than <laughs> less totally. than judgment. It was, you know, it, as I think important to, uh, mention the fact, you know, a lot of times, and this is more of the non, you know, non-countertype as you are, but a lot of threes, if you know them, especially in marriage and everything, um, they are historically called something of the deceiver <laughs> because they have a tendency to be able to, uh, adapt to situations or, you know, give people what they need relationally, uh, in a very chameleon-like way, or something, they're able to adapt in different situations. But the four is very, you know, is very interested in being authentic. Yes. And I feel like the millennial generation in general is has a uh, either has a an abundance of fours or they're taken on that kind of four, yes. uh, you know, sensibility, and that they're looking for authenticity. So you can imagine how difficult it would be. And you can probably think of you know other, uh, you know, if you're a listener here, if you have other you know friends that are like this understand if they're in if they're touching on that four or three space they may very well be conflicted between this desire to be successful at the cost of authenticity and yet have a a feeling like they can't be inauthentic and that can uh that can i imagine that's limited a lot of threes yeah so when (laughs) i walk into a
0: party let's talk about let's let's speak uh, i don't know what else you have on your list let's say we walk into a party together Uh i walk into a party and i'm immediately taking the temperature of the room I'm feeling it. I'm figuring out who has, who has like the pulse of the room, where the energy's at, who I need to talk to for whatever is coming up next in my life that Mm -hmm. I know I need to network with. And I start working it. Mm -hmm. And I don't even have to like try. That's what I do. And I turn on my woo and I'm like, oh my gosh, hey, how are you? And it doesn't matter if I haven't seen someone in six months or six years. Mm -hmm. I remember some key things about them that I always bring up, like, Oh, my gosh, have you been back to Charleston to get those saltwater taffies or, you know, whatever. Yeah, sure. Like, I remember something very specific that I bring up and they're like, I can't believe I remember that, Leah. And then we start talking about that one thing. <laughs> yeah. And then I go to the next person. And I do the same thing. And I'm not trying to, like, deceive anyone. I am trying to, I mean, that's a three doing their thing and, like, meeting the expectations of other person. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing when you walk into a party with me?
1: Well, typically, uh, so they call these an instinctual stack. So it does have a lot to do with exactly how you exhibit, you know, your type behavior. So I'm pretty sure I am a social five, which helps. It's kind of a counter type of a five. So typically, if you think of like the, you know, the the loner scholar, you know, they might just want nothing else than to just be by themselves all the time. Uh, you know, obsessed with whatever they're, you know, they're learning at. That's definitely not me, even though I can exhibit that at certain, you know, certain times. So, if I'm going into a party, it would probably depend on whether I know people or not. I'll probably try to gravitate toward the people I already know, um, because, uh, I value that, like, that depth and familiarity of relationship versus gaining. Uh, more. And it does have to do a little bit with energy levels, right? So typically, the withdrawn types, the four, five, and nine, have a limited amount of energy for just about anything. And especially social relational type, you know, settings and activity, it can be particularly draining. Um, And so in a social setting like that, I'm always kind of thinking about how much energy I have for that sort of thing. So every new person, you know, all the small talk, it's, it's draining for me. Whereas for you, if you're meeting someone new, who might have something to teach you or give you or you know, benefit you or something that can give you energy so you could be there longer and longer. Oh, if, yeah. If I love meeting
0: new people. Yeah, But I struggle when I meet new people because I actually hate small talk as well. It's probably another reason why we bonded. I hate small talk. You hate small talk. You know, I really want to... So sometimes I'll ask people like really personal questions <laughs> just to see how they react to know if they're my person or not. Yeah, You know, I really can tell... If they, I don't, I, I can't think of an example, but just imagine someone saying something and then I'm asked that podcasting, interviewing type of follow-up question. I look right at them. I can tell immediately if I'm going to get along with that person by the way they respond. Like mm-hmm. if they're shocked, I know like this person isn't legit. Uh, they are not in touch with like their, you know, who they are, what they're about. They are not going to give me anything you know, or if they answer me with like a really well thought out conversation and it goes, like I know that I need, you know, that I need to be with that person. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to say this is a good example of kind of like the push and pull of the three and five. Oh, you just gave me an eye. You looking at
1: me? Oh, of course.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I think the three with the five, one thing that we've kind of learned talking about you, you know, and you're definitely an introvert that does fine in social settings and I think I'm I'm definitely an ambivert I prefer social settings but I really enjoy my practice of being by myself as well um but I think that one thing that's been nice about the push and pull of our relationship is I have really dragged you into a lot of social settings with our business um in our doTERRA circles we are around a lot of people for events a few times a year um and and then I think for you with your need to kind of have slow weekends or non-scheduled evenings or time at home with your book and listening to your music or your podcast or your whatever you're doing, I feel like there's been a nice like meeting in the middle where I've learned not to overschedule and you've learned to prep and be able to deal with the events. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think I remember hearing about um, about a discussion where like a, a mother had a, a five a child, and yet their father was a very planner. He wanted to pack everything into the weekends, you know. And I and that child was telling their mom one weekend, said, "Mom, when are we going to have a weekend where we just have nothing to do?" And that's definitely like if you want to give a five a little gift, give them a day where there's nothing planned, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that you know with children and. Just being, bit, you know, in the world that we live in, we live at such a fast pace, right? We can get on the highway and we can go 75 miles an hour somewhere. Well,
1: and like a, a product, a productivity, I mean, it typically America has been categorized as a three culture. Yeah, I think that's in shifting
0: past. in the past few years. But I've,
1: definitely if you think of, you know, 50s America, 60s America, yes. that kind of, you know, push where they're kind of growing. It's been very much a three I've heard someone say we're culture. like a
0: six culture now. it makes sense. Yeah. I think in the past we were threes. And productivity was definitely valued. One thing that I have learned is that when there has been busy times or maybe the children have been really high energy, maybe it's a full moon or I don't know, if if tension feels high. And like one thing I love about you is you're usually calm, really even keel, you know, I call you like my anchor, you know, to the, you know, to my bounding waves, right? You're like the anchor on the ship. Mm-hmm. And so I can feel when your you know your vibe is off when your energy seems a little frazzled maybe you're moving to that seven I can feel it Mm -hmm. and I think that one thing I've learned to do and I'm not tooting my horn here I really want to give like couples listening to this like active nuggets one thing that has worked is I will just say to you I don't know if you've noticed this I'll be like hey why don't we finish up with dinner and like you just take your book and go you know, because you have a couple of spots that you like to go and sit and read or it I don't know. As you do. Like, you, you'll you go watch a movie by yourself. I go watch a movie by myself, too. You know, sometimes even I'll just send you out to go have dinner somewhere nice by yourself. And it never fails. You might only be gone for, like, two hours, but you come home and it's just like, yep, there he is again. Yeah, it doesn't take long. No, it doesn't <laughs> take long. It literally yeah. is just like you filling up the gas tank of your energy. uh uh-huh.
1: Well, talk, talking about energy and frazzledness, uh, do you want to talk about what it's like parenting with a three and a five? Sure. <laughs> so, and which you probably touched on before. Uh, I think we
0: just need to say that we love our children with our whole hearts.
1: Yes, and with you that lo- ahead of you, time. you
0: love the children with your whole head.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right. That's right. Uh, real talk. Parenting, just super easy for a three, right? No. Everything fits. <laughs> no. Everything fits, right? So let's, talk, let's think about this. So obviously, you know, we knew, at least, you know, the idea that, you know, we wanted to be parents. Absolutely. And, you know, that decision doesn't change just because it find out it's hard. It's hard for everyone for different reasons. Sure. But particularly for a three, I feel like everything's stacked against a lot of three women, mm-hmm. you know, three entrepreneurs, uh, because typically American culture expects mothers to be twos. They're very focused on their needs, very sacrificial, you know, of their own needs.
0: Especially if you're in a conservative setting or if you're in the church setting, Mm -hmm. you know, that like stereotypical mother is like that shining too, that helper, that nurturer, always taking care of other people's needs. Mm -hmm. But that not every woman is a two.
1: And they're right next to each other. So you would think they would be more uh, similar in that, but they're definitely not. So uh, as a three-wing four... You have this, you know, uh, emphasis on goals and productivity, which is definitely not something that is that I would say is uh, categorizes a household with toddlers and small (laughs) children. And yet as well as, uh, you know, having a strong four tendencies, you would not uh, handle uh, minutiae day to day, Mm -hmm. like uh, diaper changing, you know,
0: Oh my gosh! You have to eat again. Didn't we just do that?
1: Yeah, the mon- the mundaneness of you know everyday life with a with a toddler. So I don't know whatever I, yeah, you want to say. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I
0: think as a mother and being a three, it. I mean, obviously, again, being a mother is hard. Doesn't matter what type you are. Like being a parent is hard. It's very you know you have to give a lot. But I think as a three, like I want, I have goals. I have places I'm going. I've got things I'm doing. And then nothing puts the brakes on harder than having a child or. And for me, I was able, thankfully, to breastfeed my child and my child did not take a bottle. So, you know, you can figure out how that situation was when I needed to be places. It was a challenge. It just felt like um, if I was a horse, you know, someone was like digging their heels into the ground and pulling back on the reins. So this season of having young children and being a mother and being a three has been very challenging and that it's pruned so much and that I've had to really I think maybe it's that's maybe that's why I've been able to work on myself so much because I wasn't going 100 miles an hour towards my goals because I've been at home you know changing the 10,000th diaper because my children don't potty train till they're after three apparently Mm -hmm. and they don't sleep till they're after three So, yeah, it's definitely been a challenge. But at the same time, I want to be the best, right? I want to be the best mother. So I have to do all, you know, whatever the Internet says is the best thing. I have mm-hmm. to do that thing as that mother. It's tough
1: to compromise. Huh? It's, yeah,
0: it's really hard to compromise. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but I love my kids. And, you know, I think that the lessons that i learned through the Enneagram that, like, I need to make sure that my verbiage doesn't have anything to do with what they achieve. That I am affirming that they're safe, they're seen, they're loved. I loved them the moment they were put in my arms. Nothing that they can do can take away that. They always have a place with me. I'm able to really speak to maybe what my wounds were and maybe what I know other types' wounds are and just, like, speak into that. So that's been a gift of the Ram in parenting. Mm -hmm. What would you say is hard as a parent being a five?
1: Yeah, I will. Uh I... I want to say for, you know, three parents, uh, it's something we've definitely tried to do. And I think things that you've talked uh, about with maybe like um, uh, Megan from um, uh, Norp. Yes, Megan um, Mm Norp. That, you know, don't let the expectations of what that life has to look like with toddlers, that sort of thing, to, to... And try to find the place where you can be a three with your family. Yes, (laughs) work them into your plans. So we do those trips. We, you know, we take our kids to like you know convention or business type things or whatever. Yes, like involve them in that as much as possible. Parenting is definitely not the easiest thing for a five, but I would say I probably have more of a confident, uh, more of a of a tolerance for mundane, you know, day to day things. Generally, has to do with the fact that you know five energy or in general, withdrawing energy kind of replenishes for the day. So, you know, I have a set, basically a set amount of energy for the day. I wake up with it and, uh, and I don't get any more for the rest of the day. <laughs> so I have to, I always thinking about, what I'm going to have to accomplish and what might uh, upset that. Naturally, kids have no idea about my plans. And typically, fives will have a problem communicating that sometimes of what exactly they've made their plans uh, in order, you know, how they've structured their day to retain that energy. So it can be kind of difficult. Um, but uh, but one thing I feel like five parents are total rock stars in is that they have very set boundaries, they have a very good sense of what boundaries yes. should look like. fives have
0: good boundaries. Just
1: about every situation for children, or you know, a friend, you know, friend uh, friendships or parental relationships. So you know, if you were a five in that situation, uh, helping out, you know, your partner, um, don't be, you know, you need to be careful that you're not setting unrealistic boundaries, you know, because you can definitely make them so far that you know they kind of benefit you to the detriment of, you know, those around you. But, you know, you can notice where, okay, that's too much, um, you know, too much roughhousing with the mom or too much draw on the mom's, you know, time or energy or your own. Uh, You don't have to feel bad about those boundaries. That's the point. You know, not every parent and especially not every mother is going to have that sense of boundary or feel like they can enforce those boundaries without being a bad mother because mom shame is everywhere.
0: Oh, Um, and and a three is in the heart, you know, I'm, you know, in the heart space and the negative of that means that I feel shame and guilt. So like a three feel shame and guilt all the time and then add mom guilt to it and be like, Oh my gosh, I am literally the worst ever. Yeah. I mean, I've felt that many times. Uh-huh. Um, Did you have anything else on that? Cause I actually had a question that not, was not um, for parenting particularly, not for though. parenting. Okay. Well, you mentioned uh, energy mm-hmm. and I had someone write in this Mm -hmm. question because i asked for some questions from um some listeners over on instagram so this question basically says how does a five navigate being drained with energy when you the three need them so maybe this you talked about energy with parenting but you know the my audience knows that i've gone through a lot in the past you know couple years I originally found out about the Enneagram when I was going through my original set of counseling. It's one of the first things she had me do. Um, And so then all that happened with my family and, you know, you've, you've been on, you've listened to the show, you know this. So I have not been on my A game and I have needed you a lot. Like, I feel like I have leaned on you so much. I feel like now I'm at a better place, but there was probably 18 months there where I was not normal me. So how did you deal with like being drained with energy when I wasn't as strong as maybe you were used to me being?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, again, that energy kind of depends on what the particular five is kind of more capable in, you know, what they find to be draining. Um, so some will have dependent on kind of the need, you know, so if you're needing them in social situations, well, maybe some fives would be better uh, with that and not, but um, but I would say, you know, obviously communicating uh, them. Fives are typically pretty good at intuiting what needs are, but if it's very specific, um, you'll want to do that. I think a lot of fives will show up, especially if they're in a confident space where they're feeling capable in the situation you need them to be in. They will exhibit more of that eight behavior, and an eight is super loyal, super responsible, so they will show up and work. And it's not that we have limited energy, period, from like a... Uh, A a labor perspective, you know, like we're getting tired with it. It's like a mental sort of reserve sense of what we're capable in. So um, when you're clear about what's kind of, you know, necessary up front and we're capable in being able to deliver on that, uh, I find that definitely with time, but uh, in those situations, I feel like a lot of fives are going to show up in that. So I would try to match your needs as much as you can to their strengths. Um, so you can do that with duties and roles and, you know, schedule and that sort of thing. That's a really if good If you point. can do that, that's going to help them conserve it. Uh, and if they know those things up front, they can make their own kind of, um, their own adjustments, you know, in their own schedule, their own plan for the day to understand, you know, where they can get what they need.
0: I Yeah, and I think one thing I learned before the Enneagram is that I can i cannot nag you like i literally cannot nag you because when i nag you you feel like i think you're incompetent or you're incapable or i don't know
1: have failed or have something failed, like that naturally it's going to put us in the seven so we don't want attention on us we want to focus back yeah, on the positive yeah you're a failure
0: thing. so i learned pretty quickly on that like nagging cannot happen so that lesson of like not being a nag I don't just like harp on the same things over and over and over. Like, I was actively talking through not necessarily the same situation, but like different elements of the situation. So, we weren't having the same conversation over and over and over and over that we've already had. I think another thing that I did when I was needing so much and, you know, you have this finite amount of energy is I was also receiving support. I think women need a lot of support. I don't, I, I just want to say, ladies, like, you cannot depend on your husband to like be your counselor your lover, your friend, like you can't, you know, they're not all of the things like they are your lover. They are your partner for life. But if you need a counselor, then you need to be talking to a counselor. Like, you know, you need to have at least like one really good ride or die girlfriend that is wise um, or maybe it's a, a mentor that's, like, older than you and has had more life experience than you. But I think when I when I was going through that fragile time, like, I really leaned on spring a lot to kind of help me through that kind of, like, girlfriend talk, you know, that girlfriends do and can work through stuff. But she's older than me, and she can give me that life experience. So I think that that is was a good way, that I knew where to get the type of support that I needed. So then when I was coming to you, like, I was – I was truly coming to you for something that was appropriate for you to fulfill that need for me. Does that make sense?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: That was kind of, yeah. You you need to think about that for a couple <laughs> days, right?
1: <laughs> <coughs> yeah, um yeah, stuff. I definitely know some of the other questions you got touch on that a little bit too. I think we'll get um we'll more naturally transition into some of those if we think about the way that we've changed in light of the enneagram through our marriage. Okay. So, you know, how has kind of knowing and growing in the enneagram helped you know us to kind of move our marriage forward and, you know, again we didn't have that tool for the first four or five years or so. So, um you can definitely see the the before and after. So, I can Go first again if you want some more time. <laughs> yes, to, go for it. If you want some more time to think about it. So I always remember and sometimes you'll talk about it. Um understand the three and the five can be very independent. So in fact, you know, they'll say sometimes in in compatibility, you know, rundowns or something of like a neogram types that um in some ways a three and a five make a really good pair because they don't really need so much from each other all the time. So if they were left to their own devices, especially without children, without other responsibilities tying them together or anything like that, they could very well be on their own thing all the time. We could be in the separate rooms working on our own things. We'd be pretty comfortable. Um, in fact, at times I think that has definitely illuminated why uh, there would be times when you know you would feel like, um, or either of us would feel like we're kind of just passing by each other. Yes,
0: I, I referred to it as as a ships passing in the night. Yeah, and that was in, in a in a more trying time maybe mm-hmm. in our relationship, you know, because marriage goes through ebbs and flows. And I think that there's definitely been a couple times where I was like, oh, when have we actually like connected, you know, in the past couple months?
1: Yeah. Um, but I remember times when, when apparently I had just kind of walked out of the house and like gone to do something, oh, yeah. which as a bachelor, <laughs> you would never think twice about doing that.
0: This is early on, but
1: going on. Oh yeah. Like with the first six months or a year or something like that of, of, of marriage. Right. I've just, Walk out and do something. And a lot of, I think, I think I've heard about other fives doing this too, that they'll just kind of go on out. And that was a real weird thing for you. How could you not communicate to me where you were going? <laughs> when you would go back, it didn't even <laughs> co- cross my mind to communicate with you. And, oh, and that things. just
0: boggled my mind. Cause I mean, you would do things like that. Like you, I, I, yeah, you would just like go somewhere, go to the store, or like not even just go to the store, you'd go to the next town. And you wouldn't tell me. And then you come back with like a Target bag. And I'm like, what? You went to Target? You
1: know, you did not tell me? (laughs) I still do that sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: you do that sometimes. It's true. But now you know to bring me back like some kind of treat. Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, Ian Cron's and Suzanne Sibyl's book, uh, The Road Back to You... They describe a five that did just like that, ju- did just that. He would leave and come back, mm-hmm. and the partner was just, like, astounded.
1: Or being very secretive, you know, so that they would find out things about them in the future, you know, uh, certain situations they were in. They had friends. They had no idea. They weren't even, you know, they were this completely different, you know, type of, of friends, this entire different social circle, yes. you know, that they were in, and they don't cross a whole lot. So it, Yes, your it's, friends um, don't
0: really cross lines a lot. Yes. Another thing that is kind of funny about a five is, that I honestly didn't understand until like the last couple months. We've been married seven years. Is that uh, when we're at a restaurant, especially? Oh, this makes me laugh so much. <laughs> this makes me laugh so much. I don't know if this is just you. I feel like there's other fives that do this. If we're even with if we're with our closest friends, you do not say. <laughs> what you are ordering because like, you know how if you're with friends what are you getting oh what are you getting because oh they love you know, to ask that question everyone they loves love to share know.
1: who wouldn't want to share what you're gonna eat
0: well you will you refuse to you know uncover what you are eating until it is put down in front of you and sometimes i will listen to you order and sometimes i'm not really even sure if the waitress can hear you you're saying it so low and i this is so funny too. You always kind of leave it open-ended. And that was one thing that the Enneagram, you know, talking about growing and maturing in our relationship, the Enneagram helped me really understand the way that you communicate and like what feels hard for you. So I know like what the right questions to ask. So for instance, if you, you have a hard time saying something definitive because there's so many other ways that, you know, that definitive answer it's not definitive, right? So if you're ordering something, yeah, I think maybe I'll do that pasta with, um, uh, yeah, if it's good, maybe the shrimp. Um, yeah, whatever the chef wants. <laughs> you've said that before. Like, kind of, you've kind of left it open ended. Yeah. I think you knew what you wanted, but you had a hard time saying, like, what it was.
1: It did, yeah. And I don't know if that's a rejection thing or, Um, You don't
0: want someone to, like, copy you? Is that what it is?
1: Or... You want it um, to be
0: a special order. uh,
1: No. um, It's, I don't know, kind of hard on the spot, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, well, think about it, because I
0: have another thought. I go into a restaurant, and I I order one of two things. I order the special, because it's special. So it probably is whatever the chef has been working on, and it's the best, right? Or... I order my old faithful every time because I know it's good. I know I'm going to be satisfied and I can focus on the real work. And that is the conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I can't be worried about ordering here. I need to focus <laughs> on this conversation, but you actually are incredible at ordering at restaurants and you usually order something very different each time. And I'm always like,
1: wishing s- that you would have gotten wishing
0: what I was. <laughs> that you would have gotten. So now seven years into this marriage, we kind of have, like, this really, really low-key dialogue while, like, the other people are talking, and you'll tell me what you're looking at, and I'll tell you what I'm looking at, and then – and you'll be like, okay, well, you order this, and I'll order this. It will be coordinating because we we'll want to be- try both. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I think it's a little bit wrapped up with needs, so I- – the two and the five don't actually share like a line or anything like that, but I feel like there's a lot of similarities between twos and fives in terms of their kind of uh, weirdness, you know, going on around needs. So, a five is always very independent. They don't really want people. In fact, they it is said they tell themselves, "My needs aren't important." So, in a sense, me telling someone what I want to eat is kind of me exposing my need for them. And so you if know, you
0: don't express your needs and you can't be disappointed, you can't be rejected. And it's
1: not putting that much on them, you know, to, to a certain extent. And I understand if it, listen, I understand if, if, if that makes no sense at all, because it's not supposed to make any sense. It's a, <laughs> it's a neurotic type of thing so that we just So sometimes literally do.
0: I'll walk up to you and I can tell you're having a hard time expressing what you're needing. Maybe you're feeling frustrated. I don't know. Again, I just kind of, I'm good at reading your feelings. And so when I sense something is off and I cannot figure out how to get it out of you because sometimes asking the question is not the answer. <laughs> it's not the way to the answer. Sometimes I literally will come up to you with the Enneagram and will say, "Your needs are important to me. I am the one that can know about these. You know, <laughs> yeah. I remind you that I'm the one you can
1: tell." Yeah, which kind of plays in, I mean, for the communication perspective, um uh, I wanted to make the point, you know, that that now I kind of, I feel like a little bit of a sense of appreciation to like, uh, if you're telling me when you're coming home, or I'm telling you when I'm com- keeping you up to you know date on those things. So let these things can change, okay? <laughs> people do change. People do grow. Don't let them tell you. People don't really change. People change all the time, especially married couples who actually want to change for each other and appreciate it. Um, the needs communication is obviously something important in the relationship too, and since you know it exhibits itself in uh ordering for restaurants, it naturally comes out in the relationships too so a lot of time there were a lot of times where I did not communicate my needs for you uh to you, and that was always a level of frustration <laughs> of which now I have to uh you know kind of um make a amends for <laughs> um that's our, our cat. cat scratching out the door. Okay, I don't know if, <laughs> if they can hear that. Okay,
0: that's our that's my cat, Claude Debussy. He's outside. <coughs> Bless his little heart. Okay, I have a few questions. So, Adam, is there a way to get a five talking about their emotions or feelings during a conflict?
1: Yeah, so that's kind of tough because fives are typically categorized as when they're not feeling repressed, but they're very good at categorizing things. So like they can um they can uh, they can manage to not feel the feelings in real time is basically how they describe I it. I mean,
0: I'll say this. When we've had times of conflict and we absolutely have, as a three, I am kinda like an eight. I go to the fire, right? I'm like Let's just deal with this right now. I want to talk about it right now. I want to get it through, get it done, move on. But that is not how a five can respond. Like a five is very much in like, it takes a while for a five to process and to think about the situation. So if there's a conflict, talking about it at that moment, most of the time is not the right time. I find that our best communication is when I say, you know, tonight after we get the kids to bed do you think that we can have some time to talk about what happened yesterday or i know we've got a couple busy days we need to really have a sit down and you know work on what we're going to do about xyz Mm -hmm. it like as difficult as it is for three i have found that our best communication times is when i literally schedule it ahead of time with you to give you time to think is that true
1: sure um and typically, if you're not really in a healthy space, then the withdrawing types can tend to just disengage. And really, I think you'll find a lot of fives ha- ha- don't have a problem with grudges and, and forgiveness and that sort of thing. So if they sleep on it and the next day, they probably won't even need to talk about it. That's not a good thing because it doesn't actually address the problem. Yeah, it but, does not But it problem. can help them not to have to feel like they address the problem. So there definitely is a sense where you do need to move toward it. Um, I
0: will say some of our best talks have been on a walk. So to yeah. help a five get out of their head, you Spe- have to,
1: especially a male five. Yes,
0: you have to get a, a male five into their body. Now, mm. obviously, hmm, you know we could have a little sexy time, but usually it's not going to be. That's not, be dealing not with, that, with like conflicts. if you're in a moment of conflict. <laughs> that's not really what the other person wants to do, obviously. But I'm like, but truly though, helping a five get into their body. So like CrossFit has been awesome for you. We have a great place to walk around here. Um, even if we take a drive, like if you get a five moving their body, getting out of their head, that has been the best times of communication for us. Sometimes for us, we have two kids, we put them in the stroller and like, maybe they're tired or maybe they're in a good mood. Not when they're squalling and screaming, like we walk and we talk it out. Mm -hmm. And that has, I mean, I don't know if that, I think that's when your emotions come out. Like you're not really going to always hear a five say emotional words, but it will come out.
1: Yeah. They typically say we have thoughts about our feelings (laughs) or feelings about our thoughts. Really part of the reason why a five is not going to be able to do that. Number one is because they have difficulty feeling their feelings in real time. But also uh, I think because if they can't adequately or capably, you know, reflect those feelings, then a five doesn't want to do anything that they can't do well. And so if you set up the expectation that I don't need you to do it well, like, I just need you to talk through it. I just need you to say what you're feeling. doesn't matter if it doesn't make any sense. Let me help you work through it myself, especially if you're a type that does feel and can help them with that. I would say process through those things. And the other you know, tip in that is to, is to be able to say, to give them the opportunity to say, okay, thank you for that. I think we worked through some things. If there's something that you need to revisit tomorrow, because this kind of deals with orientation to time in the enneagram and a5 is, you know, typically rooted to the past.
0: So they just take a while to process. So they're
1: able to see it more clearly and think about it more clearly or feel about it more clearly in the past. There'll be times when I tell you, "Man, I really like that movie I saw 2 or 3 days ago. It really, you know, made me oh, yeah. feel great or feel sad or I think well that time when we were th- with your family last month was such a great time. We were so warm <laughs> whereas you know a lot of people it's would so be true. saying it in the moment they'll this say it the with best. everyone we around need to do it this again. is the best we need to do it again. I won't feel it for the next week, and I'll probably feel it the same way that you do. I just won't feel it at the same time, or you just at the can't same. Can't quite get there yet. At the same speed. So if you and I think a lot of fives feel like they can. Man, why didn't I say that in the moment? Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it in the past, and that's where I'm more able to worry about it. So if you give them the added benefit of saying, if there's something you think about tomorrow where you need to revisit it, then you know we can do that. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be resolved right now. But you don't want to just push everything to the future. Uh, You know, to to never deal with those things.
0: And I think just talking about conflict, like, this is not necessarily Enneagram, but it goes along with, if you both are wanting to do the work, really early on in our marriage, we heard some really great advice, and it was this, uh, two words, uh, equal change. The fact that if he must change, I must change.
1: Yeah, one person is, it's never the case that only one person needs to change in any given conflict or issue in the marriage. Both need to change somehow. It's
0: not like, well, he needs to be more emotive. Well, then you need to be more thinking. You know, it's not like he it's not or ever you. only
1: one person's fault in in those situations. Someone you know can become better in that in, in you know, and both people can always do that.
0: Absolutely. Okay, next question: How do you work through a five's sense of scarcity, meaning there's not enough, um, versus a three's really goal setting mindset? It's always thinking forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially a self-preservation three, which is, <laughs> you know, interested in making sure they have enough revenue streams and they're, <laughs> and they're secure or not. Similarly, I, I feel like to, uh, so a three is very focused on um, on a success, you know, achievements. Checking uh, the box. Fives are typically focused on uh, capability and you know, uh, knowledge basically competency. Um, yes, and uh, but they also have things that they feel um, that are kind of these irrational fears that they have. Things they tell themselves. Things that the way they see the world that uh, that basically rule all their thoughts subconsciously almost. And a five, uh, a five's feeling is that uh, is of one of scarcity. So you can imagine. Um, especially if you're in the self-development kind of, uh, you know, uh, or even business worlds, you know, this typically uh, they'll typically talk a lot about, oh, there's abundance, there's abundance all around us, there's, you know, achievements, we can do this, we can do that, nothing's stopping <laughs> us. A Five will never believe that for a second. They just, it, it's a, it's not rational. They know it's, you know, part of them knows it's it could happen, but they don't see that. Everything is in scarcity, and their chief vice is avarice. So basically... It's not greed. It's not that they want more, 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 more. It's that they always want to keep, keep, keep what they have. So uh, they'll see scarcity in in all sorts of things. So in in our marriage, um, that has been uh, difficult, and it sounds like <laughs> other people may be experiencing it as well. If one of you is very focused on um, on you know achieving financial goals or financial uh, you know retirement or something like that. Um, budgeting or uh or you know growing um revenue or income or you know the financial situation for your household for a five can be very stressful and it doesn't help that in stress they go to a 7, and a 7 doesn't want to feel deprived. So if part of that discussion <laughs> involves with we need to cut back in some area, you're probably going to see the 5 go to a low side of 7. I, I They're going to say, I don't want I, I don't want anything to do with that then because I don't want to be deprived of this coffee I have every day. You know, this is part of my... Coping, this is, you
0: know. You know, and a follow-up question to this is talking about, like, financial goals as a couple versus three to five. So I think this really goes together, like, setting financial goals and dealing with your scarcity versus my goal setting. I mean, like, you should see the 10, you know, the 10 goals that I write down every day, you know, versus, like, your 10 goals that you write down every day. They're both great, but they're both very different. Yeah. Um. I think that probably our truest arguments ever You know, I don't want to call them a fight, but like moments of conflict were around budgeting and around money, and yeah,
1: or like the hardest discussions. have or the the least fruitful.
0: I think that you (laughs) like. I think that for for us, one thing that has been great is that a five loves to support someone that they love. I think for a three, if you have proven to your partner who is a five that you are worthy of trust, that you do what you're saying you are going to do, that you follow through with your word, that you keep those promises, then you have someone in a five who is truly going to back you up and support you and like be there in your corner. And I'm not saying that I run the bus, but I think that I, a lot of times I cast the vision. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, and that has to do with your orientation to time, right? So I'm you're, thinking You're forward. always focused on the future. You know, threes, sevens, and eights, the aggressive types are are very future-oriented. And it has a lot to do, actually, with the, with the way, you know, couples see the world, <laughs> is their orientation to time. So if you're a future-oriented type, you're not going to naturally get that from the five. But um, so if I was saying, how do, we, how do we get a five to operate not only around this issue of, you know, scarcity with financial type matters, but also to buy into the vision... Um, I'd say, one, if you can transfer the goals to tasks, you know, basically shift them, that's going to help. So, for instance, if you give them something to do uh, to achieve that goal, because they're already going to think it's unachievable and that it's not, you know, it's in itself is not worth achieving uh, as far as a goal is. But if they have a task, a way that they can actionably, uh, you know, achieve it over time, that's going to... really shift the mindset i think so like if it's a if it's a matter of turning that goal into you know we're going to pay off our mortgage you know early or something and you say well the way we do that
0: the way that we do that is like set an extra payment to be scheduled can Mm -hmm. you do that you know type of thing like i think automation i mean if we're talking about purely like monetary things obviously this can go somewhere Mm -hmm. but like maybe if we're needing to if we had an expense that came out of somewhere we need to build back up our savings Um, A lot of times you do like the bill paying. And so I will say, um, you know, we need to build back up our savings and that can make you freak out a little bit. So I say, don't worry, it's not going to be hard. I just need you to set an automation, you know, deposit into savings account of this amount. And you do that. You don't have to think about it anymore. I know that the plan is going to work. And that's not me telling you what to do. Like we also have kind of this thing in our marriage where it's like a point system. And like we say, I mean, it's it's kind of like an invisible point system. It's kind of like whose line is it anyway? The points really don't matter. But it's like if there's a situation going on, we have a respect for each other with, that we know. One of us usually knows more about the thing than the other. And if we recognize that, we defer. Would you agree with that, hon? Mm.
1: Or cares more about it than like, the other. Like for yeah. instance,
0: our living room. I had a pretty clear vision of what I wanted the color of the living room to be. Adam likes aesthetic, but he doesn't like to spend his energy on it. And so when I was picking out the color for the living room or whatever for our house, he's like, "Mm, you have more points on that than me. So then I activated it. So I think that with like, you know, goal setting and where we want our family to be, we kind of just look on what... What's in the skill set of the other? Like, who do we need to rely on for this? And Adam now, thankfully, has enough awareness of when those feelings come up. I mean, I don't want to talk for you, but it seems like now when we have like a financial discussion or even, I mean, let I me mean just let me just make something up here. Like if we were to move or what's next in the co- next couple of years for our children or our family, that's hard conversation for you but you have enough self-awareness now that we can have a little bit of a conversation and you just say, "Who, you know me, this is hard for me to think about, but you know, you still track with me. It's been a process. This has, this has been a hard thing in our marriage is my wanting to push the ceiling and like, you know, grow the house, so to speak, like, you know, push, find, find where my glass Mm -hmm. ceiling is and then shoot through it. And Adam wants to find where that comfort is and that sweet spot is and go read his book.
1: Well, uh, I they're you, certainly babe. less. Th- I mean, they're certainly more contented. I would say, if you contrast a five versus a three, they don't need as much. They don't have a compulsion for that. You know, that needing to, to push the boundary. But, um, but yeah. So I would, um, so I would say, you know, again, it's that. It's just re- recognize that it's not that they don't want it. It's that they don't believe it could be possible. <laughs> so if you're that sort of future thinking, you know, visionary type of person. Um, I would say be that, lean on that, um, and ask them to come alongside you. I, I've i heard it said, you know, and Leah touched on it, that, um, you know, the way a five shows love to many people is that they support your cause. So if you say, this is what I want, and if they love you and they actually care about you achieving, they will probably be more interested in helping you achieve what you are saying you want to do than they would be in helping themselves achieve what they want. They can kind of put that aside and they can get into that for you. The, the, the other thing I would say is that it can feel like a struggle at times. You know, if you're saying that we really want to implement this practice or we, you know, I really want to move in this direction. And both of you know it's the right thing to do. But again, that kind of scarcity mindset or that, that temperament is making it difficult for them to just adopt it because uh, they really have to think through it and kind of, you know, internalize it a little bit um, is to remember... You know, what you really want is not someone who's just going to go, oh, gung-ho, oh, yeah, let's let's do that because there's so many flaky people yeah. in the world, even in marriages, that will just kind of, you know, half do it or, or just a push you know, over. do it for a, a week or two and then really kind of, you know, or, or even sabotage it or something, you know, th- that sort of thing. You're not going to find that from a five. You may have a long period where you're pushing, pushing, pushing to do that and it feels like they're dragging their feet, and then one day they'll snap, and they'll do it, and they will be more committed, you know, as committed as you are, and so that's what you really want, you know, you think that you want someone who's just right there, you know, on the same page with you, but you want that to be sustainable too, so just know when it happens, it will be done, and you don't have to worry about it anymore and and that's really what you want that they have adopted it and then you're actually one in that thing and it's not just a surface level type agreement you know
0: I think a three needs to give the five time to marinate on whatever that idea is because again all that pushback from scarcity that they're feeling but also another strategy that's been really good is I will buy you a book about the thing and if it's like the you know the book by the you know most respected person that wrote you know the person that wrote the book Sometimes you'll read it and then boom, you're, you're tracking with me because it's given you the way to take in the information that you feel really good about. Mm-hmm. And that for you, I don't know if that's all fives, but for you, that is reading.
1: Yeah, it does help. Yeah.
0: All right, hun. So I have one more question to ask you. Uh, but before I get to that last question, um, so this is your first time being a guest on the show. And every time I have a guest on the show, I ask them this question. Oh, no. If you could go back to your younger self. And tell him something, what would you tell him? This does not have to do with the Enneagram.
1: Oh, but of course it does. <laughs> it always does. Um, Find out your
0: Enneagram. No, I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> no, um, well, I don't know how young. It doesn't
0: matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is the characteristic five pause that you get. Don't worry, we'll edit it out. You can
0: think <laughs> as long as you want.
1: Uh, so the the first thing that I didn't really do... Um, early, early on, I was always a good student, but I was never, uh, I never exhibited kind of my strength in learning and, and that sort of thing. So, um, even though I did have some of the compulsion, so I would have probably said get a little more serious about like developing that, like using that, that talent, you know? It's your superpower. A, a little more, yeah, a little more intentionally. Um, and I would also have said, you know, be more, uh, Productive and outwardly, like uh, you know, developing your own kind of thing. Um, you know, apart from like buy Apple stock. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> but, uh, you know that buy Amazon stock. Sure,
1: but you know, uh, I definitely a lot of fives are content to just um, to just kind of let life happen. You know, and they're very contented to be in their little you know, Mind Palace or their library and just kind of, you know, and it's a fine way to live, I guess, but, uh, but I've definitely taken on other attributes where, you know, I appreciate that and find the value in like being productive and it's naturally the thing I'm not prone to do if I let myself kind of, you know, settle out of it. So I found that even in the past, you know, couple of years where I've just been intentional about like sharing, producing, you know, focusing on giving and producing value for other people. Um, And that can be kind of intellectual or business, you know, related that like you really start to come into your own as a five um, when you do that. So, um, you know, fight that tendency as young as you possibly can because you've got, you know, all that time is like a retirement account, you know, the earlier you go the uh the 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 more you know valuable that becomes over time you know
0: all right here we go last question are you ready for this thanks for being on the podcast this was a great talk you think so yes we're awesome (laughs) all right you're gonna have to go first because i am going to finish finish us up but what has been the gift of our type to each other so what has been the gift of the three to you as a five?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's probably more than one. Um, certainly recently, I feel like um, your gift is, you know, support and you are that encourager person so you can see the potential in people. So you're always willing to to give that to a five and a type that can't see that actualized, that future, you know, as a... Uh, uh, as real and tangible and and possible um, so you're you're now a little bit softer than it used to be, encouragement and like and uh and belief uh, is uh, I've certainly valued it more recently yeah I think know.
0: threes have are high in belief they believe in their causes, yes thanks okay, so I think that the five what is the gift of the five to the three? I would say that I always know that in you, who is a five, I literally have the best person on my team. And that's great for three, right? <laughs> but I know that like I would always pick you first. If there was a crowd of people, I would always want you, the five. You are the most competent. You are the most capable and like you can see things in ways that no one else can see and you are that hidden superpower you are the person you are the Enneagram type that people look over and they really I think is the most misunderstood type and so yeah I say well he's on my team so I mean I think that we're a great a great pair and so I mean I just love that Um, you know, that I have that as my life partner, because, you know, you have believed in me when no one else did. And I love you with my whole heart, (laughs) even my repressed feeling heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and I know we have a beautiful life and we're going to continue to have a beautiful life, but that's because we show up every day for each other. So I love you, babe. Love you. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. And if you really enjoy the show, leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Listen, go out there, make this week matter. Believe in your dreams. I believe in you. Bye-bye.